Welcome to Tough Love, the love and relationship podcast with me, Mairead Lockman, matchmaker, dating specialist, and the founder of Love HQ Matchmaking. And me, Stephanie Wiegand, clinical psychotherapist and relationship specialist. This week on Tough Love, we will be speaking about sex and are you really getting it? Did you know, Mairead, in a recent survey in July 22 on the 10 most popular, if you like, or most prevalent regrets around sex in the Irish population. For women, the number one regret was having a one-night stand when they were drunk. More than one-third said they regretted that. And the number one regret for men was not playing the field more and, in essence, not having more sex with more partners. So I began to surmise our... Is it that men are getting the sex and women are sorry they gave it? Is that what's going on here? Stephanie, I love your facts. I actually (laughs) live for your weekly facts. I love them. (laughs) So that's what we're going to talk about. Sex and um, the Irish population. Yeah, and are you really getting it? And are you really getting it? How important is sex within the relationship and at all stages of the relationship? Um... I, of course, deal with the, I suppose, the problematic side. Yes. So I see when things go wrong. Um, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the very basic things mm-hmm. like oxytocin, how it bonds, you know, helps you to bond, helps you yes. to, which is which is really important when you're within the relationship. I know we've talked about the problematic parts of it, if you like, mm-hmm. if you if you bond too early in a situation like the one night stands we mentioned there, if you're bonding where there is no bonding required, if you yes. like, that causes all sorts of difficulties for, for people. And it is the women who feel that more, for yes. sure. But within a relationship and within a committed relationship, sex is hugely important for because it's another way of communicating with each other apart from everything else. But the the oxytocin that that is released in that time, apart from the fun and the enjoyment and the connecting and the being able to, you know, be a pleasure and a comfort to each other and all of what goes with that. But it is research has shown that people who have sex more regularly and this oxytocin level when it was just given to a group of people actually intranasally as they say they they were it was proven that those men in this instance were more inclined to keep a greater distance from attractive women oh, wow. than those who were given the placebo no way so it is Kept Very a greater important. distance from them. Yes. In other words, that they feel more bonded to their own partner okay. and they are less looking elsewhere. Yes. And I thought that was quite interesting. Not that that's the only reason to have sex with your partner. Obviously, you might want it for yourself. Yeah. But these are just interesting little, I think, pieces around it. So we know sex is important for health. We know it's important for your own sort of uh, sense of yourself, for the fun and for the relationship and for all of the, the physiological effects. But within relationships themselves, there are some, all of those kind of added benefits, if you like. I think um, it's a very unusual topic, sometimes sex, and we're talking about it, because I think women probably talk about it differently within their friend groups when they're growing up. And I think men talk about it differently within their friend groups growing up. Like, um, and then where's the educational side? Like, it is such an important aspect of a relationship. I always think it's crazy that no one ever taught you how to have a relationship or love. Yet we're expected to be experts at it. Uh, nobody ever thought us about sex. I am. Um, I remember <laughs> my mum said to me when I was about, I would say about twenty two, twenty three. She said, "Oh yeah, but you got sex education in in school." school. And I was like, "No, I didn't." And she said, "What do you mean you didn't?" She said, "We were told about that you had gotten sex education when we went for your confirmation meeting." 
that by the way we had sex education and Sounds I was like, like a half I remember I would have remembered like I would have been what 12 years of age I would have remembered if we were talking about sex and skill we never had sex education but the school actually told my fam- my mum that we did yes. so you know where is it where do we learn it Exactly. All of us. That's a very good and point. And what, what is it? Like, you know, what mm. is it to people? Because I'm sure... So how have you come across yes. it? Yes. Think about this. How, I mean, what you're saying, which I find interesting, you know, with, as I say, that age gap between us. Yes. And you weren't taught sex education in school. Now, we know they're, they're doing a little bit of it now. And I think that's great. And I think in the light of, you know, I think the, the understanding that young boys and probably girls, but mostly young boys, are accessing pornography so early. And that's such a bad way to learn about sex. Well, it's not real sex, yeah. No, it's not real sex. But if it's the only sex you know, it is real sex. Yeah, that's the So that's the big issue and problem. So I think think there are, you know, I think great strides are being made Mm -hmm. on that. And they are really trying. But we have a long way to go before we have the kind of openness, you know, with the hangover, religious hangover that we have had in this country. we have a long way to go until we are like they are like like say in Holland where they will you know speak openly they encourage they they teach girls and boys how to not only name the parts you know yeah. it's not all about the you know just the, the the if you like the physiology of it it's also about asking for what you want knowing what might be nice talking mm-hmm. you know agreeing the, the way you're going all. to go forward yeah. All of these things, I mean, we think consent and everything is popped in there into the, you know, embraced yeah. in that word. But they, they, they more than that, they, they teach them the whole to experience. own their sexuality, yeah. to own who they are and what they might like and what they want, to feel good about saying mm-hmm. yes and to feel good about saying no. And that's what we in Ireland have a long way to go. We really do. With that. We really do. A lot of people ask me, um, you know, you're matching on all sorts of things, height, age, location, whether or not they want kids, everything like that. Uh, a lot of people say to me, do you match people sex compatibility wise? And like the answer, the simple answer is no. Like I don't, like how would I even start? And, and to be honest, I don't want to be having that conversation because, yeah. you know, I meet a wide range of clients. 95% are absolutely fabulous. 5% are not unfabulous, but they're definitely not people I want to be having that conversation with. So it is very difficult because how do you know if you're going to be sexually compatible with somebody? You know, it's all well and good when it's average or the normal or what is even yes. normal. But um, if somebody has preferences, it must be very difficult for them to find others, bar going on websites and everything. But if you like, where is the marry up of um, the actual relationship side of things and then the sexual side of things? So I have a huge amount of um, gay couples or gay mm-hmm. clients mm-hmm. and the reason, and I suppose more so men, they come to me and they say, I really would like to find love. But they actually find it very difficult to find anybody or to do online dating because, yes, they can get sex within three seconds on Grinder. They can get any amount of it. Yeah. They put in their location. It's done half an hour. You can actually be at someone's house. Um, but when it comes to finding love they find it very difficult. So they come to me and it's great. And I have fabulous clients. So if you know any Lovely. fabulous gay people, send them my direction. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, what about sexual compatibility? Well, really, it shows itself. That's how mm-hmm. I would see it. I don't think it's a it's a kind of a, um, a match by numbers, you know. Yes. Uh, I think, because I think we know with all things, you know, you you can be matching, but there is something else happening, and that that is above and beyond the the box ticking, if you like, yeah. of of that 
that kind of matching. And I'm not saying that very well, but I think the sex is the same. It's a language. And we each have a different kind of... We, we talked a bit about the love languages. Yes. Um, but there's also a kind of sex language. Some, some people are you know, more into touch. I don't know if you've heard about that, Dr. Rice. He wrote a book around this and um, and mentioned the, the five languages of sex, which are that, you know, some people need touch. They're more focused on touch. Mm-hmm. Some others, others are more, more, more focused on fun, more focused. So they want sex to be fun. That's what's attractive for them. That's what really mm-hmm. it means for them. So it's what... What our sort of erotic template is, is what determines in many way, ways what we like most. And you're not going to find that or work that out very easily with somebody because no. they're probably utterly unaware of it. It's a very unconscious process. And it's we would be very aware of it in the, in the work, say, that I would do with people that er, the earliest sexualization is when that template gets set. Yes. And it's generally so private, if you think of it. And yes. sex, of course, is so private in that sense, your own sexual yes. kind of world and what you like and what you want. And there's a there's very much a re- repeat element to it going yeah, on. And what's acceptable and what's not acceptable within that, yeah. But it's also very private. So nobody is mediating it for you, really. Yeah. It's not like you have a way of communicating and then a few <clears> people <throat> say, oh, you know, you're a bit, you're very sharp or you're very aggressive or whatever. People can step in and out of the sexual with somebody and step away again. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it would show itself up in a relationship if it was maybe too demanding or, you know, didn't yep. seem to be on the edge. And there will be, of course, there's always the average and then there's those, yes. the, those uh, you know, the, those behaviours that are at the edge. And And I think people who are at the edge tend to be attracted to each other. Yes, they want somebody with that edginess, and they pick it up with people, and that's fine. But but uh, when you look over the figures, ninety sort of ninety five percent of of the world operate in that main sphere. You know, the what is at yes. the edge is is quite small, in fact. Is it so okay? So we 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 are relatively compatible in maybe just insofar as the energy level or, or the intensity mm-hmm. level or the sexual interest level. Mm-hmm. But I think the oddities, if you want to put it, oddities is, I say that more in the edginess of it, Kinks, yeah. not in a, a moralistic kind of judgmental way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we often don't talk about the amount of people with very little sexual experience. Um, yeah. And it is very difficult. Like, what is the age where you, where it's normal? Like, what's the age that, and what is the average? What's all of this? And I think it's a very difficult conversation to have with somebody um you know i've had clients come to me that i would have thought potentially could have um had a a number of sexual encounters where actually they've had very few sexual encounters or perhaps even on in some cases no sexual encounters and uh, it holds them back from dating so yes sex can have an effect on dating um, and probably what I would tend to say to them is look i'm not an expert in that area there are people in experts in that area but Whatever's works for you, because all new partners, it's completely different. So there isn't a format that you don't know about. It's what works for you and what you're comfortable with. Yes. And, and I mean, you're absolutely right, Maraid. Of course, um, inexperience is going to, you know, make people feel far less confident dating. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a survey done in Ireland, um, the most recent one that I could find, which was the Irish Times survey in 2015. And it's still quite good. Um, and even, you know, at that point, they what, what was a little surprising in it was there was a lot of respo- respondents here. You know, there was over 12,000 mm-hmm. responded to wow. this. And um, one of the surprising things, I suppose, 
while people think that 17 year olds and uh, early 20s are sort of doing nothing but having sex, this is not what was born out. In fact, it's from the 25 to 39. That's where most sex was happening. And the other other um, interesting stat that came out of that was that um, 19 was the average age for losing your virginity still, okay. which I thought was quite interesting. Now, you could say that might be among Irish Times readers, but um, in general, <laughs> yeah. that's what they extracted. And it was yes. quite a big mm. number. Um, so, uh, you know, of respondents. So I thought that was that was something that was was quite interesting. Also, people were having more sex than actually we might think. So I actually don't agree with that because I think people are not having as much sex as everybody thinks they are. I really, do, I just, I don't think that people are having as much sex. Everybody's well, like, you then, know, Mairead. Yeah, well, I would now. Well, <laughs> I'm not talking about just personal experience, definitely. You know, I yourself. know. I'm not, I know, having, I'm not having as much sex as I would like to be having yeah. myself. But um, when I say about, like, people say Tinder is a hookup site. Tinder is not really a hookup site, okay? Mm-hmm. People say online dating. It's not, I think, okay, so I was actually doing something recently and I was looking up flirting and online dating and everything. We're not going to find any surprise in this, okay? Men tend to flirt for a sexual encounter and women tend to flirt for relational relationships. Mm -hmm. And it just is the way it is. And that's kind of how it all starts off. And how it branches out is then different from that. That's the science behind flirting. But I don't think people are having as much sex as they think they are. Hmm. But obviously the Irish Times disagrees back in whatever... But the Irish Times survey showed was that 7%, only 7% had not had sex in the previous year. That's 93% of the population, obviously, had had sex in the last year. 44% had had sex once per week. Mm-hmm. And 14%, 14% who had sex had sex three times per week. Okay? Okay. Most sex was between those who were 25 and 34. And over 50% of those were having sex once per week. I'm repeating myself there. So, I just think... Now, you might say that's not an awful lot, but if you put this and marry this with a study that was done by a dating agency, Victoria Milan, um, who were looking at how many orgasms women had. Yes. You can align this and do your long division, yes. as they say. Um, they, Belgium came first with 13.86 orgasms women reported per week. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite sure how the Sorry, maths was done on this. 13.86 orgasms per week. Per week, yes. For women. For, and I was trying to marry this with once a week. But anyway, I'm just giving yeah. it to you in a different, obviously in a different yes. age grouping, right? Um, so Belgium were number one. France were number two with 11.34 orgasms per week. And Ireland 10.6. You're telling me Irish women are having 10 orga- 10.6 orgasms a week. Well, that's what they're telling Victoria okay, so Milan. Can you please tell us who these ladies are? <laughs> oh my God, ten point six orgasms per week. It depends how hungover you are, I suppose. But um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't believe it. Now, can I just yeah. ask you? Okay, so the type of person is going to do a survey on sex, they're probably having sex. Like if you have no interest in your asexual, we'll say, or whatever it is. Like there's a celebrity, um, she dated Kanye West briefly. Her name is Julia Fox. And I kind of saw a few things on social media of her lately, but she says she does not enjoy sex. She just is not into it and it's not her thing. Now she would be considered as quite a sexy lady. Like maybe it can one of the top most sexy ladies we would say now it depends on what eyeliner she's wearing if you've ever seen a picture of her no. but um, she's a funny thing to say open, isn't it? You know, you, it is a funny thing to say it is like 
she's just not into sex. Hmm. So I get that as and well. That's okay. Now something else did say she said that maybe she's you know a few people have asked her is she a lesbian she said maybe I am I just have never tried it so maybe that's her thing and she just she maybe give it a go hmm. to see. But uh, I did see on social media recently a lady was doing surveys and she was asking men. Uh, she was going to men she said to them the last time you had sex can you remember it and they were like yes and they were like did the lady orgasm and I've never seen so many mmms and ahs in all my life and I kind of thought to myself how do they not know how do you not know if the person you were with orgasmed or not so quality over quantity yeah. and I would like to know of those 10.6 that Irish la- orgasms a week that ladies are having how many of those are with their partner you don't know that. That's a different yep. podcast. That's that's a different podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I would agree with you. To me, it, it's I have to say it sounded like an overestimation for sure. But uh, and it may have been a particular grouping. But on a serious, on a really serious yeah. note, I suppose what we're here as well to talk about is the kind of issues that we see people having. Yeah, of course. And what I know because back, back you door, see, yeah. because sex is such a private thing, and it's such a, it, it's also such a thing where people don't like to admit there's any issues going on because there's a kind of mm-hmm. the French have a great a, a great term in this it's kind of you know your sexual capital yes. you know you got to be in in France you've got to be a an attractive sexually active woman mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if you're 90 yes. you still got to have that going yeah. and um and that's and that's part of their culture mm-hmm. and I think it's a rather nice, in one way, very nice because it keeps... Keeps they you are, alive. Well, well, they're not being written out of the the story, if you like, of attractiveness yes. and life and love and yeah. sex. You know, whereas I think in Ireland, we have a little bit of, you know, past it. The past it idea comes into into play very quickly, a very ageist kind of feeling around it. There is a, there is that, I think, in play. People will tell you that a lot. But I think it's our culture, yeah, of, um, you know, the whole Catholic Ireland sort of thing, that of, you know, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, all of those things. And is sex for fun? Or yeah. what is it for? And why would you be want, you know, why would you be wanting that? Like, we're kind of past that. That kind of thing. Yes. That's gone, you know? Yeah. And I think we all really have evolved. But for younger people, they've all been brought up by by parents who have those kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the younger people are getting again. We, we've talked on the previous podcast about about the disconnect and yeah. it's the disconnect in what you're told and what you want and what's available to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're trying to navigate. And where are you, you and where are you comfortable in all of that? What people ask you to do. I hear a lot of of women especially um, being asked to do things and being asked to be involved in things that they feel a certain obligation to or they do it because maybe they feel they're being a little bit backward if they don't Mm -hmm. and they regret it. Yeah, I can understand that. I would think... Look, we've I've definitely been in situations that I regretted afterwards um, from a sexual mm-hmm. point of view. I think yeah. that there's very difficult to have conversations around sex in some cases. Um, I have no problem talking about any topic, but I know even friends of mine that if we were talking about sex, they'd be like, oh, why does it always have to come to this nearly as a way to change it off? Now, it's not that we're talking about it the whole time, but there, you know, there would be friends that I've never had a conversation about sex, like very good friends that I went yeah. to school with. And it just was nothing that was ever talked about. So I'm just wondering within their own relationships, are they comfortable to talk about it? And so what does that you know, where is that? Yeah, well, I think I think what you what you touch on there is do they talk about it uh, with each other? And yeah. I can or is tell it you, just an action? Of course, in, in healthy, yeah. happy relationships, do, you yeah. do. Do all couples talk about sex? Or no. No. 
and that's exactly what I was going to touch on. That yeah. now, I mean, healthy, happy couples do talk about sex, and they do say this is yes. what I like and I don't like, and yeah. you know. I'm prepared to try that, but I'm not prepared to try this, you know, and just not comfortable. And you have to respect that. Some people are more comfortable yeah. with, and obviously it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. But I think also like in every, in, in all things, it's probably useful to be a little open to another person's suggestion, but not beyond something that feels really not you or wrong. But it, you know, we are trying on a, you know, give and yeah. take in the same way as you would give and take in, in, in other ways, but not beyond what is sort of feels right for you. I think that's that's where you draw that line. Um, the adventure for the other person is something they have to kind of work through. But a lot of couples that I meet who don't come necessarily, couples mm-hmm. generally that I would meet are not coming because of sexual problems. Are they not? No. Okay. Sex does com- not tend to be the issue that couples are coming with. The issues are usually much more around they have lost the connection with each other. They've, 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 you know, they, they don't feel heard and loved and valued by each other. La la. Lots and lots of things around that. The sex then, of course, stops Comes through, yeah. or ceases or slows okay. down. And then th- there is a snowball effect. Yeah. From, you know, there is no loving, there is no connecting, there is no sex. And all the other things don't get sorted out. But it's surprising how little people will talk in that intimate way with each other. And if we weren't taught it in school, as we talked about earlier, yes. if you don't have the language to talk about it, how do you talk about it? It's very difficult. It's the language of sex that mm-hmm. we don't have in, in, in Ireland because because we never were allowed to talk about it. They were. I'm surprised <laughs> that sex then isn't as big an issue. Like we would all assume that it's like, you know, it, but I suppose um, I suppose it's the other issues that lead to the no sex so I know myself if I was in a relationship I didn't feel appreciated or if I didn't feel that they were in the relationship and you know properly appreciate you know maybe I said appreciate too much but like if I didn't feel that I was completely in the relationship I wouldn't want to have sex so maybe they know that that's what needs to be fixed in order for the sex to come back Yes, they, they're hand in hand, I would agree, although that's not a good term. Um, one of the things that when we were talking about we were going to have sex on our podcast is um, you said, oh, we, and we'll talk about sex addiction. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Mm. Is that a thing? Yes. Yes, I was surprised that you were so surprised Yeah, by I that. just thought it was something that like somebody yeah. used when they got caught cheating. Like, because I didn't realize that there was a proper sex addiction. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think I think at two levels. Um, okay. At two levels, there is sex addiction. One at the physiological level that mm-hmm. um, that the the high, if you like, that that is delivered with with the, the with orgasm, etc. Yeah. That people become kind of addicted to that. Okay. You know, to to that release. Yes. So there's that, but there's also uh, certainly in the in the situations that I've dealt with clinically, what I've seen a lot of is. Um, People who are addicted, say, for example, to going to sex workers. Okay. Um, men, mostly. Yes. Who would go to sex workers at lunchtime every day. Oh, who wow. Would, who would um, be... Like every day? Yeah. Every work wow. day. Um, who would be very... Uh, who, who, would, who would want this for themselves. And I did find myself trying to understand it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but to help them in broad spectrum ways, but also then to really understand what, what, what exactly is this, uh, you know, what, what is going on within this. Mm-hmm. And what was very clear to me was it is 
they are wanting the sex in this environment where they do not have to consider the other party. Okay. That's the draw. They do not want to consider... Because they... Okay, Because yes. perhaps at home and perhaps with their partner, even if it's yeah. not marriage or anything like that, that they have to be kind of uh, considerate yeah. of the other person's needs. But maybe that's a big struggle for them. Mm-hmm. And that's something they're finding very, very difficult. So this draw to the sex worker who is in... in being paid for the task, if you mm-hmm. like, that they can become absorbed completely it kind and of focused makes sense. on their own pleasure. And that is the draw for them on that. It That's, does kind of make sense. It wouldn't be my yeah. thing, obviously, but I can see why it might be oh, yeah. a draw for them. And especially, we don't know what type of... Childhood and all of what was backed yeah, up there. Yeah, or like mm. their own relationship. Um, and mm. I can understand that because obviously, I think sex is a little bit selfish. Like, it's like, whose orgasm is it? Yes. You know, sometimes we're like, you know... As Monica, yeah, yeah. Monica and friends used to say, me first. Yes, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it all depends. Like, it, yeah. it depends on what you're doing and everything like that. Sometimes, like, go on, you go from there you know but there is a physiological there, there is a, there is as you say a selfish level to it but there's most people can can bring those two parts together yes the my the my part and the for me and all of that mm-hmm. but they, they they don't want to be alone in that i can understand so that. you know there's yes so for for the average person it's not a problem marrying those two things but for some people it is a difficulty the other side of sex addiction, if you like, where it's not so much physiologically set as psychologically set, is where people, that's when they feel alive and that's when they feel close. Okay. And they don't feel it at any other time. They become quite addicted to the sex as well. because, okay. And they are the people who will want sex you know, four times a day. Mm-hmm. And I would meet lots of people in that situation where where where, where genuinely yes, you would yes, yes absolutely it's a, it's a it's like it's a need to it's a reassurance and a need to kind of communicate it's how they connect and they don't connect in other ways That's so it's a big pressure in a relationship because you you talk about compatibility well you know sexual yeah. compatibility well this is in many ways on that edge mm-hmm. the need that they have is is unusual the need to be with you. And in a way, it's, it becomes less about, I find you attractive or, yeah. you know, I lust after you yes. because you're so kind of gorgeous. Not humorate, but, you know, speaking yeah. to someone. And, so, yeah. But, yeah. but <laughs> rather, I need this for me. Yeah. And that's not very attractive. So, but the, the, so they're the edges, if you like, of compatibility where things can really go wrong. So people can want it. They can't share the sex satisfactorily they don't enjoy it completely when they have to yes. share it with you um um for others they just love the high and the you know the feeling the physiological feeling of it and they want it and want it and psychologically then to be dependent on it to feel emotionally and psychologically calm i often wonder about casual sex where um where is the line like why there's very often if you're ever online dating okay there's the amount of people that are just like looking for casual sex looking for casual sex looking for casual sex and I often think to myself like okay there's obviously a place for it within society but to the extent that people are looking for casual sex I think to myself um like what happened where did it change you mean where did it change like what why are they not looking for a relationship I know okay obviously 
not everybody's looking for a loving relationship Mm -hmm. but like why are there so many people just looking for sex and there's a lot of people then will say that are long term just looking for sex Um, and uh, and where does that kind of fit in and I suppose that's maybe me as a matchmaker (laughs) spreading love you know but well I mean certainly what the research shows is that women on average will have around seven partners sexual partners uh, men on average say, say you know seven for women it's sort of seven to ten for mm-hmm. men it's sort of twelve to fifteen okay for uh, LGBTQ it is uh, twenty plus okay. so we've gone from a time where people had one sexual partner yeah too many and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think that that's that's the world that's how you know uh, contraception has given us this freedom it is no longer it's no longer a uh, a rare event and it is I, I think it's just really healthy so I don't really see anything very negative in it I have to say I see it as something mm-hmm. where people are on a learning curve sometimes that's exactly what you need to know before you go forward yeah. um, I, I do I, I know what you're kind of touching I think what you're touching on there is why are people just going for the sex and sex only yeah um, is it is it is it greediness? You know, do people no, it's want more that I think are they overcomplicating their lives? And the reason yeah. I ask that is like the oxytocin release that's, that women get and the neuroadrenaline mm-hmm. that is released when you have sex and therefore you do bond to them. If there's it's not just in isolation. Like yeah. it isn't you can't like I don't think ladies can have sex just in isolation. No. Now perhaps they perhaps some ladies can okay because it's always the exceptions but I think there's a lot of ladies out there that are having one night stands or there are having casual sex or with a friends with benefits situation I don't think it's black and white and I don't think long term it's good for their mental health Um, there's a number of different things that come into it if you look at lots of different studies and kind of draw from uh, from different areas of expertise I think it's complicated for women. It is complicated. That is what you're saying. Yeah, it is. And, and we can fool ourselves. But I, yeah. I mentioned to you there recently, I think it was in the last podcast, about the number one regret for women yeah. about sex. And the number one regret was having a one night stand while mm-hmm. drunk. So yeah. think about that. Maybe the next time you're thinking of, you know, yeah, people I are know. thinking of yeah, doing it. Are, yeah. yeah, you have a very good chance that you will regret yes. this. So um, why might you regret it? Because maybe, you know, maybe of course there is there there is simply the sexual drive and maybe the yeah. person's attractive enough and sex feels good and orgasms mm-hmm. feel good for sure yeah but it's not just that because afterwards you're left as you say in a little bit of a physiological kind of mess mm-hmm. where your oxytocin levels are flying high you're yeah. thinking um in a, a kind of a bonded way to this person who is absolutely not thinking about you yes so you may as well be real just because sex is available all the time and just because you can have it all the time, it doesn't actually mean it's the right choice for you. There's a matchmaker in New York and she reckons that you shouldn't have sex on the first date. OK, so what she tells all of her female clients to do is masturbate before they go on a date. And I think it's a, I think it's very funny, you know, like I couldn't say this on, you know, Irish radio. <laughs> like, what would be your like top five hints, tips for going on a first date? She's like, well, if you're a woman, you should masturbate. Like, you're not going to say it, you know, <laughs> like, oh, my God, I you think it'd be off your podcast. Yeah, yes. yeah, I know. I'm thinking of my son in the back of my mind and he's saying, mom, you're not going to talk about that, are you? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's like, oh, mom's on the radio again. Yeah. Is no. that why he doesn't live in Ireland? Mairead said that. Mairead <laughs> yeah, yeah, said yeah. that, not me. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, but I think there's a but few... But rather pe- a good idea. It is, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and then there's also, I suppose, people that, are, you know, that uh, sexist doesn't come very easy for them. As I said, like there are people with very limited experience. There are people that have challenges, we'd say f- physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, trauma related as well. But, you know, I would say that there must be... Like I have, I've had a, a sexologist on my podcast um, and she was extremely good in the conversations that you should have before starting a conversation, but like uh, before having sex and like even things like what conversation sh- you should have about what contraception you should use and like, uh, or safe sex, you know, uh, from a safe sex point of view. And I think that we're so uneducated in Ireland. I think it's just a, such a difficult conversation to have. I just Mm. think the conversations need to be more like we maybe a little more blunt. Yes. You know, I find like I'm probably over 30 years now seeing people Mm -hmm. individually. And if there was one thing I would say around the sex in this kind of area, I would say for for young women and young guys going, but less guys, because it's more women that I I deal with. And I suppose I'm addressing it to them here is slow it down. Yes. Right. Just slow it down because it will confuse you. That's all. Um, Have all the sex you like whenever you like. Mm -hmm. Nobody minds. It's your business, your body. But if you want, if you're looking for a relationship, slow that process down because it will confuse you. And anybody who is, you know, likely going to be your partner and be somebody really good in your life, you know, if they cannot wait a night or two, really, you're best to sort of deselect them very early on and not waste another week on them. So, and I really think that is important. And that's not said from any moralistic kind of point of view. Yeah. Utterly efficiency point of view. You are going to muddle your mind and you will find it difficult to recover and you won't feel good about yourself. And that's what I hear all the time from women. They don't feel good about it. Just the other day, I had a brand new client and it was one of her biggest issues that she had, you know, been having one night stands. And I just said like, it's fine. You know, you forgive yourself. These, yeah, forget no about big it. Deal. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It's, it's how you had to get to where you are now. But yeah. now you know you don't feel good about it. So are you going to do it again next week? Like there is no issue with one night stands. There is no issue if you sleep with someone on the first date. It can all work out. The right person hears you differently. It doesn't really matter how it started out. But if you are staying with someone because you think you're in love with them because your body is flooded with oxytocin. I was recently talking and to a friend. And they're not treating you yeah, as a, and like that's a it, partner. Your, your, your brain is muddied. Your brain is flooded with or they only see you at night time they don't bring you out during the week this is not a relationship no this is a sexual connection and nothing more yeah and i in fairness i think it's if we've if anybody listened to there was a a very well-known duo in ireland they had a podcast out about catfishing not so long ago during the summer and you know when i was listening to that i was like this is insane and people's variation of what a relationship was and people's variation of what sex is like there is there is no rules there is no definition of what it is it is two people and whatever that is but like for some people the quality of sex wouldn't be we'll say ideal um and it's it's not you know i don't want to scare people off that maybe have had limited experience with sex in that you know they're like oh god you know would anybody it's not that it's the, it's the effort it's the actual caring about your other the partner and that's what we're saying as well the opposite effect where people yeah. want just for themselves like there is no rule there it's different with every single person um it's different within i'm sure every single couple yeah um and it's such but i think there's basics there I is think, basics i think yes. there are basics and the mm-hmm. basics are openness yeah. um trust mm-hmm. um 
I mean, your sex life won't flourish whether you're, you know, in, in the dating world. It's not going to flourish no. if there isn't trust. No. Trust is what allows relationships to, to bloom and kind yes. of to deepen and grow and expand. Mm-hmm. And so look for trust. And when you when you get that, you'll know it. Um, and we just, if I can just backtrack slightly, yeah. we mentioned about the one at, at stands because it's a very prevalent yes. issue. And it's a big fat regret that I hear mm-hmm. all of the time. And what people, what we have to remember is people are lonely. And women are often lonely, and and it's affection and, as well as everything else. And it's yeah. touch, and and they get they get. It's obviously, the, you know, you get pleasure from it and all of that, but perhaps also they are they are getting that just that that comfort from the one night stand. Yeah. And I know that's uh, some people would say, oh, that's rubbish. You know, it just sort of you know it's totally the passion and the lust. That's not my my experience of it with women. I think people get drunk. And they have the one-night stand and they're sorry. So it's not you, actually taking them where they wanted to take them. The age group of one-night stands that might come to you, what would be the normal age group? Anything up to 40. Anything up to 40. After yeah. 40, do you find many people will have a one-night well, stand? Well, I suppose they're mostly, lots of those that I meet mm. over 40 are probably, yeah, a little more considered and they've probably been married and separated or so. So they've, that kind of, more that. Just my observation is that, okay, I, the one-night stand thing would be kind of up to 40. Probably, I would think lower, maybe up to 32, 33, just mm. my own personal observation. Yeah. And I think after that, that a lot of women realise that they need a connection. Yes, and they don't know that what I suppose maybe have not figured out the whole oxytocin thing the exact science around it and everything but I think a lot of them realise from there that they actually need the connection and therefore it slows down the one night stands They and in fairness it probably slows down how many nights out there out getting drunk because a lot of their friends are getting mm-hmm. married and having babies at that stage mm-hmm. but um, I, I would say there's patterns within age groups yeah, that's a fair point. Patterns within age groups. And you also mentioned just earlier there about, um, and, you know, are people complicating their lives, you know, with all the, you know, the sex, if you like. Yeah. Um, the other, I think a really important point, I always say this to to girls when I'm with the, working with them, is that women are kind of always slightly um, aware because they're quite mature. So they are aware of, uh, and they're kind of selecting for long term, largely. They yes. look at men and they view them in the long mm-hmm. term. Um, men don't. They they look at women in the short term mm-hmm. until the point where they actually make a kind of a conscious realization that it's time for them to marry or time for them to settle. This is so funny because I agree 100% And then the yeah. next, the, definitely, and then yeah. the next girl that comes their way. Boom, done. Boom, done. Do you know That's when I often see that? Uh, when men move home. When men mm-hmm. move from, they might have been living in Another Canada, country. Australia, London. I was seeing this just, you know, with, they moved away during the recession and came back. Yeah. Uh, when my, men buy a new house, it's like, because we need someone straight away. Ready. Or when either a brother or a best friend is getting married. Yes. That is one of, they're kind of the peak times in men's life that they come to me for matchmaking. They're yes. like, I have this. Like the amount of people that are like, I bought a house. Can, basically, can I have someone in it by Christmas? You're like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. But you it see, is. in fairness to men, yeah. but you're, the men that are coming to you, they are, they're, well, they're ready for a relationship. the message that they must deliver. Yes. And whether we like it or not, they're still carrying that message. I don't think it's, to, yeah. But it is part of it that they feel, well, I could marry now I have enough money mm-hmm. I have prospects yeah. and I am able to because they know if their partner gets pregnant she's out of commission so to yes. speak in terms and it, they, of it falls on him. work and it falls on him so you know he's he's trying to fulfill his side yes. of the bargain as well and so that is very clear that men 
once they consciously realize they're ready to that's settle, it. ready for marriage, boom, that's the time you want to meet him. They're yes. the ones to look for. I don't think you said there when they get the message, but I don't think it's when they get the message. I think it's actually within their DNA. I think it's providing, yeah. it's a keeping safe, it's there. Um, and yes, it, it is. It's a like when they come to me as well, they're like, okay, so can I, like this time of year, I don't know how many times I've heard, like how many days do you think I'll have this side of Christmas? And they're like, let's go. They, you know, whereas women are like, okay, yeah, don't worry. You know, whenever you find the right person, come back to me. Whereas men are like, right, let's do this. And it is, it's a, an sure. interesting thing. What is interesting in what we've talked about, because we started to talk about sex mm-hmm. and really how different is it in Ireland? And not so much, I suppose we're not very different to other countries. That's no. really what's come out of this. But, we are a country where it has been nothing but religion for decades. Yes. And we are not that free sexually. No, we're not. So the chat that you have with, you mentioned about friends, but the, ch- you know, the chat you have with your partner has to be upfront and open and serious around it, as well as fun around it. Mm-hmm. It needs to be serious around it. And you need to keep that conversation open. And the other is, just remember that the one night stands tend to be something that people regret. Yes. I think we, I think again, consciously deciding, you know, before you go out on night out or even going on dates, am I going to sleep with them? If you're in a relationship, actually consciously thinking, am I happy with this and how can we make it better? And having more fun with it. It doesn't need to be the same, same all the time. Having more fun with it and communicating your needs. How, if they're not, if you're not able to to know what you like, how are they going to know it? So being able to communicate that with them as well. Yeah, and that's that's new enough in Ireland. I know. So uh, as you say, you didn't learn it in school. I hope kids are going to start really learning that in school. Mm-hmm. And and sort of... In, in a better in, way. Not in baby school yeah, now, a little bit older. Ah, but, yeah. But really owning it and... Uh, owning their sexuality and being comfortable with it and it not yeah. being it not being the kind of um, not being something that is, is sort of laughed about but a real serious part of our lives Just that normal. is normalised absolutely yeah. and okay Mairead lovely yeah, lovely chat. to chat to you again thanks Stephanie